0: Gospel of
1: Matthew chapter number 27, Uh, not a lengthy series, and of course when we have the child dedication we'll get off of it just a moment. I've been studying recently and uh, in the next couple of weeks I want to preach to you about I believe five of the most important questions that the Bible asks, and we're going to get answers to those questions as soon as you find your place, please join us by standing. Uh, Matthew 27. I'll begin reading verse number 20. Please join me in verse number 21 uh, and every other verse until we close together at verse number 25. Matthew chapter 27, verse 21. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? Then all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. Read verse 25 together, please. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. Here's the first of the five questions. I believe each of these questions, in the Christian faith, it answers the tough questions. We have our young people in America today and postmodernism are being taught that we don't know. There's really no life beyond death, and, and we really don't know for sure. So don't be dogmatic. Uh, about, but I'm going to say this to you. If the Bible's dogmatic, we can be dogmatic. But I want to, and I'm going to say this to you. Every person here must one day answer this question. You're going to answer it one day or another. This side of heaven or when you pass. We're going to talk about this. Look back at verse 22. Pilate saith unto them. This is the first of the five questions. What shall I do then with Jesus which is called Christ. I want to teach you that this morning. Let me encourage you tonight. um, More teaching tonight than preaching. If you're a married couple, I would really like to have you back tonight. I want to talk to you and help you with some things that have to do with marriage, but if you're not presently married, uh, don't get married this afternoon just so I can talk to you. (laughs) No, we want you to, listen, there's some things I never have just one message, but I do. I do think will help the married couples tonight, and will help the child of God that wants a closer walk with you, uh, with the Lord. So I pray you'll be back in the six o'clock hour. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we love you this morning. What shall I do then, with Jesus, which is called Christ? I thank you, Father, not because I'm any better than anybody here, but some years ago, many years ago. At a bonfire in Monument, Colorado, I answered that question. I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for that time, for drawing me to salvation. I thank you for giving me your grace to accept you. I thank you for a faithful youth pastor who felt it was important to take some time with a, just a young knuckle-headed kid. Father, some here today are, are grappling with that question. What am I going to do with Jesus, which is called Christ? I would pray today, Father, that if there's some here that have never received him, that they do so today. I would ask that you'd speak to each and every heart. Would you move us to your purposes? Thank you for this time. Thank you for your beautiful weather and strength and health to be here. We ask you to come and join us today in the service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. the book of Matthew chapter 27. What shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? This will be the first of five, Lord willing. Uh, On the other weeks, I'd like to talk to you about another important question. Am I my brother's keeper? Next week, Lord willing, we'll talk about what must I do to be saved. Then we'll look at the statement Jesus made on the cross. My God, my God, Why hast thou forsaken me? I don't know if you're here sometimes. We all feel as if that the Lord has forsaken us. But this morning, what shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? I said to you this morning, all of these questions must be answered. And I'm delighted that I believe the Christian faith is the only faith that can properly answer all five questions. I'm going to say this to you this morning. If you're here and you think, preacher, I'm neutral. This one question we bring to you this morning, you cannot remain neutral. Pilate thought he was neutral. I'm going to wash my hands of him. And some here this morning, that may be your decision. As we talk to you about Jesus Christ, you may choose, like Pilate did, to wash your hands. But I'm going to say this to you this morning, and I want to break down the different works of Christ, and ask ourselves this question. I want to talk to you first of all, what shall I do with the words of Jesus? Do you and I have the words of Jesus at our disposal today? Where are they? They're in the Bible, the Word of God, aren't they? But you see, in America, in 1973, we told God, your words are no longer welcome. They're not welcome in our public schools. They're not welcome in our courtrooms. They're not welcome in any type of Jewish prudence. Your words are not welcome. A wonder. You know, before 1973, do you know the ten major problems they had, we had in public schools? I'm going to name some of them. Chewing gum without permission. Getting out of, out of your seat without permission. Uh, absence and tardiness. What do you think the ten... Most of the 10 things that are happening, worst things that are happening in our public schools today. Our kids are taking their lives. You know why? We kick God and His words out. You're not welcome. In our society, you're not welcome. I ask you this this morning. What are we going to do with the words of Jesus? Before we examine this, I want you to think about what the words of Jesus have accomplished. In the book of John, chapter number one, the Bible says, speaking of the word, in uh, watches, in the beginning was the word. Jesus is the living word. The Bible is the written word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were what? Were made by him, and without him was not anything that was made that was made. You wonder, wouldn't you like to be? Alive, or wouldn't you like to watch creation take place in Genesis chapter 1 chapter 2? How did that all happen? The word created, Genesis used, means to make something out of nothing. I'm going to tell you how it happened. John tells us the word, Jesus Christ, spoke the world into existence. What power the word of God has. Creation happened through the words of Christ. Do you remember this? Go with me in your Bible, in, in your mind to the Gospels. You remember that the Lord called the disciples, and He said, "We need to come apart for a while and we're going to go across the Sea of Galilee, and we'll just spend some time alone together." They got in the boat that actually, the Bible says that the Lord went down into the hinder part of the ship and fell asleep. Did He know what's about to hit the disciples? Sure, he knew He's God. But he went to sleep. And then they woke him up. Master, carest not thou that we perish? Boy, that boat was rocking. And then, they, the, and then these, were, these were accomplished sailors. They knew how to handle the seas, but they didn't know how to handle that storm. Some of you are going through a storm this morning, and you think that you're not going to survive. Aren't you glad that if you know Christ as Savior, he's over every storm that comes into our life? But the Bible says that Jesus came and he rebuked the wind. The seas were calm. At the word of the Lord, the wind stopped and the seas calmed. At the word of the Lord, I studied this and some not studied, just reading in my own devotions this week. Do you remember Jesus went to a town and there was a widow there and her only son had passed away. You follow me in the Bible? You know where I'm going with this? And Jesus saw them carrying the boy, and he stopped the procession. And he touched the boy, and at his word, the boy came back to life, as it was with Lazarus. You know, somebody said it this way, if Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, and he didn't call his name, and he just said, come forth, every grave in the world would have opened up. You say, Preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that that the word of the Lord is a powerful, powerful thing. Look in your Bible, Psalm chapter 12. If you would, go back there, Psalm chapter number 12. Look with me, if you would, please. Now, we're old-fashioned. We actually believe that God preserved His word. We actually believe that we hold in our hands... The very word of God. Look at chapter 12 of Psalm, verse number 6. Would you read it together, please? The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now, I'm not going to get into this study, but the King James Bible is the only one of all the new versions that went through seven purification processes. NIV, NASV, RSV, what it is. The King James Bible is the only one. We, we could talk to you about that a little bit more. But I'm going to say this to you. The Word of God is a wonderful thing. And I asked you this this morning. What are you going to do with the Word of God? What are you going to do with the words of Jesus Christ? I'm going to quote some other words. Go back to Matthew's Gospel if you would, please. I'm going to quote John 14:6 when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? But then he made another statement. He said this, no man comes unto the Father but by me. But wait a minute. Religion teaches us there's another way. You can be baptized for the dead, some religions say. True or false? Jesus never said that. Some would say a man can absolve you of your sins. True or false? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's not an old-fashioned uh, preacher that is saying to this to you this morning. This is the words of Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father, what? But by, but by me. What are you going to do with that? I hope that you you hunger for heaven, and I pray that one day when you pass away, that you'll want to go to heaven, and may I say to you this morning, under the authority of the word of God, the only way to forgiveness of sins and a home in heaven is through Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with the words of Jesus? I ask you this this morning. What are you going to do with the life of Jesus? So maybe you're here this morning, and you don't. You're not agnostic or atheistic, but you just don't believe as we believe. I asked you this this morning. Have you ever studied the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? One said in the Bible, never a man spake like this man. I'm going to ask you this this morning. Do you know anybody like Jesus? Anybody? What are we going to do with his words? What are we going to do with his life? Never a life even approaches the incompulous, miraculous days of our Savior. Look at Matthew 17. Go backwards, if you would, please, in verse number 5. Matthew 17 and verse 5. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I think about this. If you don't believe as we do in Jesus Christ, you don't believe that he really exists or you don't believe that he's God. I ask you this. You see, when you're talking to an atheist or an agnostic, they do not believe in miracles. Because miracles have to have a miracle worker. We've got miracles in this auditorium this morning. Miracles. What are you going to do with the miracles that the Lord did? What are you going to do with His life? Have we ever seen anybody like Jesus? Is Muhammad like Jesus? Be careful with this. Radio, television, book, printed media. Do not study from somebody who believes they have continued revelation from God. That's what Muhammad believed. And he put all those revelations that are not in our Bible in a book called the Koran. Do you believe Muhammad is comparable to Christ? Muhammad had children brides, Mm -hmm. some as young as 10. You think he's comparable to our Savior? Do you think that Buddha, the enlightened one, some time ago i think it was actually josh and i or one of the men and i maybe it'd been brother danny or brother donald or one of you men we were knocking on a door and we we talked to this man a, a gracious man a good man he gave us time and, and 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 we tried to invite him to church and he said i'll never come to church so we asked him this we said Well, let me ask you something. If you died today, would you go to heaven? And he said this. He said, I know where you're going with this. You see, I grew up in a Christian church, and I trusted Christ as Savior, but I didn't find the answers in Christianity, so I went to Buddha. Buddha is the enlightened one. Do you believe that Buddha is comparable to our Savior? Do you believe you think about this, Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Christian science, the Hollywood stars? That's their God. That's their gospel. That's their religion. Tom Cruise and get all of that. Uh, Just, and watch it, you think Mary Baker Eddy is comparable to our Savior? Can I say this this morning? Study who you may, male or female. Go down through the corridors of history. Go back thousands of years. I can stand with confidence in front of you this morning and say you'll never meet somebody, you'll never study the life of somebody like Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with his words? What are you going to do with his life? I ask you this, what are you going to do with his death? When Jesus died, when you and I die, the world goes on, right? We kind of think, man, when I die, the world's just going to kind of stop. No, it's pretty much going to keep going. When Jesus died, something happened. Go with me in your mind. That probably that person That watched Jesus, that Roman soldier that was there at the cross in Golgotha's heel. As soon as he watched what happened when Jesus died, he made a good statement. He said, truly, this was the Son of God. That veil in the temple that was some 18 inches thick woven out of badger skin. You did not even think of this. You men that have a belt. Could you tear that, little, that belt in part, apart no matter how strong you are? 18 inches woven badger skin, rented in two. When Jesus died, that veil of the temple was rent from the top of the bottom to tell you and I there's one mediator between God and man. This man, Christ Jesus, you don't need a priest to get you to Jesus. You can come straight to him. But then the Bible says the graves were opened, weren't they? If you looked around, you would know, just like that Roman soldier, this wasn't an ordinary man. What are you going to do with the words of Jesus Christ? What are you going to do with the life of Jesus Christ? What are you going to do with the death of Jesus Christ? I ask you this. What are you going to do with his glorious resurrection? I'm, I'm ramping up for... Resurrection Sunday Some of my favorite time of the year Do you know that as Christians We are the only faith on earth That serves a risen Savior (laughs) Do you believe this I serve a risen Savior He's in the world today I know that He's living Whatever men may say What are you going to do With His glorious resurrection I want you to look at Revelation chapter 1 Go with me Last book in the New Testament If you would please What shall I do with his glorious revelation, resurrection? Look at uh, Revelation chapter 1 and look at verse number 18. Look at what it says there. I am he that liveth. I ask you this, who's speaking? Jesus. But I thought he died on the cross. I thought we buried him in in a borrowed tomb. And now here in the book of Revelation, he says, I am he that liveth. And was dead, and behold, I'm alive for how long? Forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. That way, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we know it doesn't end. He's got the keys of hell and death. He is the resurrection and life. And if Jesus rose again, then those of us who've trusted Christ as Savior, we too will rise again. It's not Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. It's not the cow jumped over the moon. It's fact. It's fact. In Christ we too will rise again. What are you going to do with his glorious words? What are you going to do with his miraculous life? What are you going to do with his death? What are you going to do with his resurrection? Now follow me. What are you going to do? I think about this. I put this in my notes down every road wherever we may turn. We meet there in the form and the figure of this lonely Galilean the stranger of Nazareth. He looks at us wherever we turn. He invites us to know him. And these intriguing questions as we look at that stranger, that, 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 that stranger of Galilee, that Nazarene, he begs an answer of us. This morning we want to look in, into his eyes and see. He looks at us from the cradle in Bethlehem's manger. Where God became man. Where the Lord humbled himself to be counted as one of us. Philippians 2 says. He looks at us from the the horns of heaven. Where he delivered his sermon on the mount. The ethical foundation of the kingdom of God. He looks at us in that mount of olives. Before he goes to Calvary's cross. Everywhere we go. That stranger of Galilee beckons us to look at him. And make a determination. What are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with his words? What are you going to do with his life? What are you going to do with his death? What are you going to do with his resurrection? What shall we do with him? We have a decision to make today. What did Pilate do with him? He washed his hands, didn't he? Some of you here this morning this is exactly what you'll do. You say, preacher. I'm not bothered by this at all. My, my purpose this morning is not to, not to do the bidding and the working of God. But I'm going to tell you this this morning. If you're in this room and you don't know Christ as your Savior, that Galilean, I hope that tonight when you pillow your head, I pray you see him in a dream. Amen. I pray tomorrow morning as you eat your breakfast that this person in the work of the Lord Jesus will come to your, to your forefront and the Holy Spirit of God would draw you to make a decision. But today you can wash your hands of him. Many do. Most have. Pilate did. And in no ways, in any wise, as a devotee of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you pass him by. We would say this, you know what, preacher, I'm going to wash my hands of him and he's gone. Oh, no, he's not gone. Watch this. But I've known so many that have turned away from the Lord. And then in a time of crisis, they turn to him. I don't want to accept I'm not going to make any determination on this person. We are being taught in our public schools now the theory of Evolution. Do you know that Charles Darwin denounced that theory on his deathbed? See, all of his life, he didn't make a decision about Jesus Christ. There was a nurse that attended Darwin. Her, lay, her name was Lady Hope, August the 19, 19th, 1915. As she went in to see Mr. Darwin as he was dying, let me tell you what she wrote in her diary. It was one of those glorious autumn afternoons that we sometimes enjoy in England. When I was asked to go in and sit with a well-known professor, Charles Darwin, he was almost bedridden for some months before he died. I used to feel when I saw him that his fine presence would make a grand picture of our royal academy, but never did I think so more strongly than on this particular occasion. He was sitting up in bed wearing a soft embroidered dressing gown uh, of rather rich purple shade. Propped up by pillows, he was, he was gazing out over the far-stretching scene of the woods and the cornfields, which glowed in the light of these marvelous sunsets, which were the beauty of Kent and Shuri. His noble forehead had fine features, seemed to be lit up with a pleasure as so I entered the room. He waved his hand toward me as he pointed out the scene beyond. With the other hand, he held open a Bible, which he was studying. "'Where are you reading now?' I asked, as I seated myself besides." The book of Hebrews, Mr. Darwin answered. I call it the royal book. Isn't it grand? Then placing his finger on certain passages, he com- uh, commented on them. I made some allusions to the strong opinions expressed by many peoples on the history of creation, his grandeur, and then their treatment of the earlier chapters of the book of Genesis. He seemed greatly distressed. His fingers twitched nervously and looked on agony as agony came over his face. Listen to what Darwin said. I was a young man with uninformed ideas. Those uninformed ideas are being taught as fact today in America. I threw out queries and questions and suggestions, wondering all the time over everything. And to my astonishment, the ideas took like wildfire. wildfire. People made a religion of them. Then he paused. After a few more sentences on the holiness of God and the grandeur of this book, looking at the Bible, which he's holding tenderly all the time. He suddenly said, I have a summer house in the garden, which holds about 30 people. It is over there, pointing through the window. I want you to very much speak to the people there. I know you read the Bible, uh, read the Bible in the villages. Tomorrow afternoon, I should like that the servants on this place, some tenants, and a few of my neighbors, to gather there. Will you please speak to them? So the lady asked Mr. Darwin... What shall I speak about, sir? Listen to what Darwin says. Christ Jesus, he replied in a clear, emphatic voice, adding in a lower tone, and his salvation, is it not the best theme to man's ears? And then I want you to sing some hymns with him. You lead on that small instrument. Do you not the wonderful looks of brightness and animation on his face? As he said this, I shall never forget. For he added, I will take that meeting at 3 o'clock and the window will be open. And you know that I will be praying for you. Everything I can study, I believe to meet Charles Darwin one day in heaven. You see, you might look and you say, what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And what are you going to do with his words and his life and his death and his resurrection? What are you going to do? Some will turn away from him. But aren't you glad that even when we turn away from him, that still small voice still draws us. Look at John chapter number 6. Leave a marker in Matthew. Look at John chapter number 6. Look at verse number I ask you this this morning because some of you, like Pilate, will wash your hands of Jesus. Where are you going to go? Where do you go? Look at verse 68. Back up to verse 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Say it with me. Thou hast the words of eternal life. Muhammad does not. Confucius does not. Joseph Smith does not. Mary Baker Eddy does not. You put any name of any religious leader there, they don't have the words of life. They can't get your sins forgiven. They can't get you one step closer to God. They can give you a lot of things to do. that will make you a better person on the outside. But don't you understand that the inside is what needs cleaned up? And only Jesus can do that. I ask you lastly, what shall I do with Jesus in that great and final day of judgment? One last text. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9? There's going to be a day when you and I stand before a holy God. Preacher, I don't believe it. Doesn't change it. My preacher used to say it this way, and I thought it was kind of crude, but I understand it now. You may not believe in electricity, but if you stick a pocket knife in that outlet, you'll believe. Your belief does not undo the things of God. My disbelief does not undo the things of God. What will you do in that final day of judgment uh, Hebrews chapter 9? Look at verse number 27. And is it appointed unto man once to die? I asked you this this morning. When is that day for you? When is that day for me? I don't know. My wife and I, when I got home from church yesterday, and I don't know, Miss Sarah, if you do, or Rebecca or whatever, if some of you ladies would know this precious couple. Tanner? They went to Bible college with them. This young man met this young girl. I don't know, Sydney, if you would know who they are. Sharp young couple. Little precious little baby boy. Little baby, little baby. And she's pregnant, due in two weeks. God called that man home. I don't understand it. You see, I don't know. The Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day. It's appointed a man once to die, but after this, the judgment. What's the lightning when the lightning of God's anger flashes through the heavens? And rends to pieces those who've rejected him. God's righteousness darkens the planets themselves when the sea is on fire and the very heavens are are curled up in smoke as we stand before the presence of God. I end this morning with the old black Negro spiritual. You know this song? I can't sing it. When the storms of life are raging, blessed Jesus, what? Stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship upon the sea, thou who rulest wind and water, stand by me. In trial and tribulation, stand by me. When the host of hell assail and my strength begins to fail, those who never lost, thou who never lost to battle, stand by me. In the midst of faults and failures, stand by me. When I do the best I can and my friends misunderstand, those who knowest all about me, stand by me. When I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When my life becomes a burden and I'm facing tragic journey, O thou who opens the doors of heaven, stand by me. I tell you this this morning, I'm saying that one day when you and I stand before the very presence of God, You want Jesus, your mediator, standing by you. Not your pastor, not your church, not your baptism, not your good works. The Lord Jesus Christ, you want Him standing by you.